Hey there, dear listeners. Brotherhood coming at you. Uh, sorry for the delays as usual. I'm trying to work on that, honestly. But I do have a new opening this time around. I've changed things up a little bit. Uh, let me know what you think. Send me an email to head at headspeaks.com or go to the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash headcast network. And let me know what you think about the new opening. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you. Let's go ahead and start the new opening. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Hey there, true believers. This is Head Speaks, a proud member of the Headcast Network family of shows. As usual, I am your host, Aaron Moss, a.k.a. Brother Head. And this is my, well, mostly monthly Headcast, where I talk about comics, movies, role-playing games, TV shows, and anything else geeky that I want. Sometimes I'm alone. Sometimes I manage to con a guest onto the show. So if you like comic books like Firestorm and The Atom, or movies like Back to the Future, or even the Star Wars sequels, uh, or anything else geeky, this, this is the place for you. So let's get the flux capacitor fluxing, the TARDIS tarting, and let's say Shazam! On with this episode of Head Speaks. that which is wrong and to serve all mankind. Hey, true believers, this is Aaron. Welcome to episode 62 of Head Speaks. Uh, this month, we're going to look at Power of the Atom number three. Had a couple of the things lined up, but delays and things happening and all that. So we're just going to look at this one thing today. So uh, why waste any time? Let's get to it. Speeding bullet. In the great hall of the Justice League, Spider Man and his amazing friends. The Justice League of America versus the Legion of Doom. This is What's in Ed's Long Box. Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. The world's greatest super friends. So as I said in the intro, we're looking at Power of the Atom number three. This was covered in October of 1988 on sale date June the 28th of 1988. The cover price, $1. The title of this was 15 Minutes of Fame. Writer, Roger Stern. Penciler, Dwayne Turner. Inker, Keith Stan Wilson. Letterer, Bill Oakley. Colorist, Nancy Houlihan. Editor, Mike Carlin. The cover was done by Dwayne Turner and Keith Wilson. And the synopsis from Mike's Amazing World of Comics, Ray Palmer visits Professor Alpheus Hyatt, who has been hounded by reporters since The Adam's Return. A small-time Costume crook named Strobe seizes the opportunity to make a name for himself by attacking. The Atom defeats the crook by disabling his armor from the inside. He then receives an offer to work as a CIA operative. And this was all from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. 
As usual, we'll start looking at the cover. The cover basically shows the fight between the Atom and Strobe with reporters in the background. Uh, a couple of them like care to comment on the battle so far, Mr. Strode and I'm sorry, Strobe, Strode and Mr. Adam, a comment for our viewers, please. And it says Strobe effect. It's a decent cover. I've seen better. Like I say, we got the Atom and he's jumping at Strobe and Strobe's using his effects on the Atom, trying to knock him aside or knock him over, whatever he's doing. I'm looking at this on my computer. I, I don't actually have the actual issue anymore. Sometime over the past 20, 30 years, whatever it's been, uh, this is one of the comics that hasn't made the move for whatever reason. It's either got lost or sold off somewhere. So I'm looking at a copy on my computer, a, uh, a image of it. And so I don't know if it's the computer image or if it's the way the cover looked. But it looks, I don't know if it's rushed. Uh, if I was a artist type person like uh, Jared, one of my friends over at the uh, my G.I. Joe podcast, uh, he'd probably have a better phrase or better explanation for this. But it looks, it looks a little rushed. It looks a little off. Nothing wrong with it per se. It just looks a little, I don't know, out of focus maybe or a little, maybe it's just my old eyes, but it not as good as I've seen. Let's put it that way. So it's a good cover, but I, I think it could have been done better. I may have to send this to Jared and get his thought on it and get back to you guys on it. But until I get a more educated response, let's go ahead and move on to the actual issue itself. So our story starts out with Strobe uh, sitting there listening to the news, contemplating his recent robbery. Apparently, he robbed a armored car for half a million dollars. And while the news is covering him, they suddenly... Go to the top story of the day, which is the Atom returning. Again, the Atom, as everyone knows, all the Atoms fans know that uh, here a while back, he departed from America and went to live in South America, where he was stuck at six inches high, found a girlfriend, or wife, girlfriend, whatever down there, uh, blah, blah, blah. I've covered all that. And since then, he's returned to America, and he has just now became back into the, the, uh, the eye of the public, uh, thanks to the CIA. So Strobe, he's a little upset that, you know, Ivy University is two states away. And the Adam, again, is the top story when in this very state, he robbed a, uh, a uh, what was it again? <clears throat> Sorry, a uh, armored car. I was going to say stagecoach. I don't want such a I'm in. An armored car and the Adam still taking top billing. So he he is uh, a little perturbed by that. So makes him want to take on the Adam. Uh, so as he's sitting here thinking about this, he's counting his money. Uh, behind him is a poster for a movie, I guess, called Top Gun of the West, starring Cameron Powell, Joan Blondell, and Arthur Franz. Uh, this last panel here on page one, and again, these pages are numbered, so I love that. Makes it easy to reference them. <laughs> Bottom left corner on panel, on page one, there's like a close-up of his face, and right behind him is the Top Gun of the West poster. I'm not sure if, he, if that's supposed to be him, if he was an actor at one time, or just because he's got kind of a cowboy mentality. Um, I, I do like the way it is, because again, he does come to have, like I said, sort of a cowboy attitude, a cowboy mentality. But I'm not sure if I'm reading more, supposed to be reading more into that than I am, or what. But uh, what do you guys think about that? If you guys have read this or seen this panel, uh, what do you think? Uh, but anyways, moving on to the story, the next page, speaking of the Atom, we get the Atom flying in on the winds. As he does, again, he shrinks down and he reduces his weight to almost nothing and he can he can fly, in quotes, using the breeze and the air currents to get where he needs to go. And his old uh, friend, Professor Hyatt's being bombarded by all the reporters. Uh, we get our title, 15 Minutes of Fame. And all these, these news reporters, like, you know, 
did you know he was coming back? Have you been in contact with him? What's your reaction? You know, all these the stuff that reporters will ask. And while, well, yes, it's, it's important for reporters to get the news out, sometimes they can go a bit too far and they can get more than just really annoying, but they can get in your face. They can disturb people. Like here, they got all these guys surrounding this poor man, making it so he can barely get into his house. And so the Adam, again, being a hero, shrinks down even smaller so they can't see him, drops down in the middle of the crowd and just grows. And I love this here at the top of page two. We get a panel of the Adam shrinking down to nothing and then enlarging in front of him, pushing them all back. And now in with his new costume that he discovered the last couple of issues, not discovered, he created, he's able to be at six foot high and still be the in the Adam's costume. Not that it matters anymore because he's kind of lost his uh, secret identity when he went off to live in the wilderness, uh, the South American jungles, and wrote the tell-all book with his ex-wife. So, but I still like the way he shrinks down and grow. I just love the way they, they draw that. It was a fantastic job. And the Adam's able to push people enough away for the professor to get into his house. He's like, that's enough. The professor's, professor does not have to answer any more questions. What? Well, why? And they're like, Adam, huh? What about your, you know, will you do this? And da, 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 da. They're still trying to ask. He's like, no comment. He's getting the professor. And they're still asking him if he contacted your ex-wife. And he plans to do the, join the new Justice League. And Adam's just getting real frustrated because these, these reporters are all over Hyatt's front lawn, waving cameras and mics, just trying to get his thoughts and get the Adams, you know, they want the scoop basically on the Adam. And like, as the Adam gets in the house and slams the door shut, he's like, I swear, I'd rather take on an armed maniac. <laughs> so and he's just leaning against the wall, frustrated with all the reporters and his, in quotes, coming out party, as it were. And so, yes, just in case you couldn't tell, I really love these books. They make me laugh. I just, the, the again, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm old, but they don't make comics like these anymore, in my opinion. But again, I'm a 50 year old, 52 year old man looking back at books from the late 1980s. So Ray's at Doctor or Professor Hyatt's house. He turns his uh, as he's standing there in front of the professor. He, he turns. He's at full size in the Adam costume, and he uses his, his willpower to willpower to turn the costume back into his regular clothes. Hyatt's like, bless my soul, how did you manage to do that? And he's like, it's a long story. I never would have learned if you hadn't been such a good teacher. And so Ray gets uh, the professor caught up on the history, the Power of the Adam, or I'm sorry, the Sword of the Adam miniseries, and the first two issues of this book. And again, I love the images in here. I love him with Lewatha and uh, Voss. And again, this image of him here on page five of him coming through the phone again, enlarging as he shatters the, the uh, speaker into the phone. Just great. I love the artwork. I love the fact that, I mean, if this is your first issue... They're kind of catching, you know, it's only been two other issues besides this one. At the time, you could probably go back and probably find them on the newsstand or at your local comic book shop. But I do like that they're catching up here in a couple of panels. So what is it? Probably a page altogether. A uh, page and a half. He talks about how he took out the terrorist. And then he fills in the gap from the end of last issue to this issue where he woke up in his hotel room. And reporters are there here on page six. The fourth panel shows him shrink. He's in his robe at the door. Uh, I'm assuming it's a robe. Shrinking down from full size, 
down to the atom. I love when they show that, when they show him shrinking and they show him, you know, several different sizes as he shrinks down into the atom or when he enlarges. I just love that effect. Man, I'm still waiting for an atom movie. That'd be great. I know supposedly he showed up, he was in the Legends of Tomorrow, but to me, that's not really the atom. To me, he was nothing like the atom. He had that metal suit. Oh, that's another story entirely. But, uh, <laughs> But he says, and he opens the door, these bright lights strobing at him. I said strobe for a reason. Uh, and so he shrinks down, thought it was an enemy. Then he realizes it's reporters. And they're asking, you know, are you back in the States for good? Does your ex-life leave it anything to do with you coming back? Is it true you're living with aliens? He's like, for pity's sake, it's six in the morning. And so he's able to skip out between under their feet and flips away. Lures away from his door for a second as he jumps back into the door and slams the door on him. And then we see that uh, Norman Brawler and his ex-wife Jean are getting the same treatment reporters bugging them, asking them about the Ray, about the Ray, about Ray, about the Adam, if he's back, what's going on with him. You know, I like because they're talking to Norman Brawler, the guy that wrote the Adam's book for him, exposing his secrets. He's like, I really don't know, boys, but I'll be happy to tell you about my new book. <laughs> I just love the way that he's easy you know, they're, they're bugging him about his, his buddy the Adam uh, I don't know anything but I'm going to turn around and hey I've got a new book for you guys and again he's just talking heads on these two but and actually I guess it's not his ex-wife that's uh, Enrica his lab assistant I forgot about her for a minute because uh, Jean's at the bottom of the page on page 8 uh, apparently, she's 200 miles away, and reporters are coming up to her. Ms. Loring, the moment of your time. She's like, I'm sorry, I cannot discuss the trial at this time. He's like, trial? What trial? We're here about the Adam. You know, he's back in the country. And she's like, what? Because this is the first time she's hearing about this. Because, again, he hasn't reached out to his ex-wife yet. Because, well, one, he hasn't had time. And two, it's his ex-wife. Why bother? She's got another guy already. Well, she had a guy when he left. That's why. Anyways, that's we covered that all previously. I'm not going to get into Miss Jean Loring and her infidelity issues but i do like one of the reporters that's talking to gene and paul he's like do you think the adam's bitter over the fact that you stole his wife mr hoban i didn't steal gene and i uh, we have no comment get it gene let's go <laughs> and one of the reporter's like ah we should have known better than expect straight answers from a couple of lawyers pack it up boys let's see if the jessica will talk to us <laughs> Hey, again, so we get a little, nice little moment between Jean and her new husband, Paul Hoban, here. That, you know, she's like, you know, Ray was out of my life, but, you know, even still we're divorced and it's still his craziness is affecting us. And again, I part of me wants to feel sympathy for Jean because, again, yes, Ray Palmer is a superhero. So, yes, his life is hectic. But to be honest, if I'm not mistaken, she knew that when she married him. So... Just because it wasn't what she expected, she, you can't look back now and say, oh, what did you do to me? You knew that getting into the deal. So, I don't know. I just, they're trying to make you feel sympathetic for her, but I don't know. I, I don't, and again, maybe just because my, where I'm personally at, but I, I don't feel a whole lot of sympathy for Gene. Because again, when she married uh, Ray, you want to say that, Ray? That's another character. When she married Ray, she knew what she was getting into. So, it's hard for me to feel sorry for her when, again, she knew what she was getting into and she did what she did anyway. So, but here at the page nine, we get a nice close up of Jean laying on Paul's shoulder 
And Paul's telling her, no, you know, Jean, don't say that. Because she's talking about how he's messing up her lot, their life. And, you know, she's just getting her life back in order. And Ray shows up and messes everything up again. And Paul's like, no matter what happens, Ray Palmer is not going to mess our plans. That, I promise you. Which could lead up to Paul maybe becoming a supervillain the way he says that. Does he? Hmm, we'll have to wait and see. But in fact, that will be coming up. At some point, we'll be dealing more with, with uh, what Paul's saying here. But enough about that. Let's cut over to the Central Intelligence Agency in Langley, Virginia, where we get uh, a guy named Stevens talking with another guy. I'm trying to see the show's name here. I forget now. I don't think so. But they're talking about how there's no need to keep uh, tabs on Ray or have the, their men trail the Atom anymore because now that they've alerted the press the news can accomplish what they were doing and save them a lot of money. So, hey, we find out here that it was the CIA that engineered the terrorist attack at the university just to see if the atom was still a valuable property. But and this one guy's expressing his concerns, his, his uh, doubts about it, because he's like, I don't know, sir, bad enough we engineered a terrorist attack at the university, but second, the press on it will destroy what little private left he has left. And... The guy that this talk and the main guy, uh, he's a bald guy, got a uh, white hair around the backside of his head. Uh, he's like, it's only a matter of time before it got ruined, anyways. Now we can, he's a better offer, he's in a better position to accept our aid. So, again, the CIA is causing a lot of this just to get Ray back to work for them. So, uh, but then here on page 10, we get a, a panel van pulling up and we get the uh, the guy we will know as Strobe, the guy from last issue who was complaining about the Adam stealing a spotlight. He's like, so this is where he is, huh? Keep those cam- cameras rolling, pal. Yours truly is about to give you the biggest story of your career. Kapow. And we're cut inside where Ray and uh, the professor's talking, Hyatt. They just called the police to have him come and, and scoot the reporter away from his house so he can get some sort of normal life back. And then all of a sudden, the window burst in. And Ray, again, does what he does, makes sure the professor's safe, gets him behind a table, and jumps out and shrinks down to the atom, where he gets attacked by Strobe. And here on page 13, we get the first full image of Strobe in his costume. Strobe's costume's not, I'm going to say, a great costume. He's just a guy in a giant yellow, I'm assuming, metal suit. He's got two red tanks on his back. Red goggles or visor. I guess more of a visor. A yellow helmets, And he's all in yellow. Kind of a plain costume. He's got no chest emblem or anything. Or any sort of remarkable distinction. Just a guy in yellow. Uh, but as he grabs Ray, he's like, Not what? Who? The name is Strobe. And I'm the guy who's ending your career. And again, there's all these cameramen around like, What's going on? And I'm taking pit. What? And Mrs. They're like, Maybe she get away from here. And like, not what? Miss a story? Not a chance. What's he call himself? Strub? That's Strobe. Strobe, S-T-R-O-B-E. Like the lights. Remember that name. I'm the guy who beat the Adam. See? And he's holding uh, Adam in his hand, and he's saying this. And we see in his hand a uh, little indication that something happened to there. And we're like, see what? Hey, where'd he go? And about this time, the police show up, and they're trying to get people outside the, uh, outside the fence line. And they see Strobe. Like, who, who are you? The name's Strobe. And I'm strong. And I'm more than you want to handle. Back off. All I want is the atom. And we see Ray hiding behind a rock. 
catching his breath, saying, you know, thinking how he's the guy who caught him off guard. And luckily, the new mask is cybernetic web to be able to think. And again, kind of catching you up in case you've missed the first couple of issues, what's going on. Because before, he had to use his hands to use the size control belt. Now it's linked to his mask. So all he has to do is think about shrinking down or changing his way to whatever he needs, and he'll do it. So, and, and I do like this new costume. Like I say it's, it's reminiscent to his old one, but he's got his hair exposed because he doesn't really have a secret identity at this point. And I do like the fact that uh, they're making it easier for the writer, I guess. But it's also interesting. I mean, it it's makes sense that since this is not his original costume, he's changed it, that he would uh, change it so he has better control. Because before, like he said, you know, if he had to reach his size control belt and do things manually, he may have not gotten away in time. But since all he has to do is think about what he wants, again, thinking about something is a lot easier than actually doing it. So I, I do like that. And again, the Adam, as I've said here and elsewhere and anytime it comes up, he is one of my two favorite characters, uh, him and, as I've said, Firestorm. Uh, I like his costumes, I like his power, and I, I like Ray in general. I mean, there's been other Adams, uh, which we may talk about at some point on the show. Uh, there's Raymond Choi is the other big Adam, if you will, in quotes, who's the current Adam. And he's all right, but he, he's no Ray to me. And maybe it's just because, like they say, the, the, when they talk about Green Lantern, they say the first Green Lantern is your favorite, usually. Uh, this is my first Adam, so I like him better than Al Pratt, the Golden Age Adam, and I like him better than uh, Choi, the the modern Adam, if you will. But uh, so Ray grows it just a little bit, so he can uh, come up behind the pebble he's on or the rock, whatever, and he sees where he's at. He's behind the strobe, and we get again, we get strobe again. He showed up last issue because the Adam stole a spotlight when he was robbing a bank. He's all about the headlines, about wanting people to notice him. So as Ray grows a little bit and sees it, we hear it, we hear him, R-O-B-E, get it right, suckers. The cop's like, look, you can't come in here, and who's going to stop me? You? Don't make me laugh. I've had two armed security men in the hospital today. A couple small town cops are no challenge at all. <laughs> we hear from behind him, why bother with them? It's me you want, huh? Adam, where are you? And Adam's like, right here as he jumps up from the ground and enlarges himself and just plummets and hits the guy right in the chest, knocking him down. <laughs> Which just enrages this guy even more. Strobe's like, you think you're tough? You think you can beat me? Well, you're wrong. Wrong. Nobody beats Strobe. And he starts blasting at him. <laughs> and this Ray's jumping around. He's like, this is different. I haven't had to fight a total egomaniac in years. I'll have to keep on my toes with this one. These concussion blasts he's firing are nothing to sneeze at. And so uh, Strobe is blasting at the Adam with his, his concussive blast, as Adam calls it. It's like, strobes of light if you will white uh like a light beam with colored circles in the middle and it's going on it's hitting a tree and knocking it down blasting a car and at this point the, the press is finally like i'm out of here and they're running away and uh one reporter's like what do you think this is brute get under Beirut, get undercover brute yeah the small college upstate college town has become a war zone as so he starts his narrative that one of the, the braver reporters willing to stick around and do his job, even under fire. And then we cut to 200,000 miles to the southwest, where we get some unknown guy watching this news while he's, he's getting a massage 
while another guy named Ron stands by. And the guy getting the massage, which we don't know yet, he's just admiring Ray. He's like, magnificent, is he? The man still moves as swiftly and graceful as our finest Olympic gymnast. He's a fool, of course, but an agile fool. And then we see him getting dressed, and we get his uh, the guy that he was talking to, Ron, like, do you think the armor character will stop him? Strobe? I doubt it. Oh, he has power. He's inexperienced. You can tell by the way he moves. Besides, it takes more than mere power to overcome the atom. It takes a man with skill, experience, cunning, a man who is utterly ruthless. You, sir? You intend to go after the atom? In time, perhaps, Ron. But let's give Strobe a chance. Who knows? He might surprise us. And so we don't know who this character is yet. We see him full here. He, he's uh, a slightly older man. He's got a receding hairline. Uh, his hair kind of reminds me of my grandfather. He's got that receding hairline on the side with the middle patch of hair still coming in the front. Uh, again, at the time, I didn't know who this was. We'll find out later who he is. So I'm not sure if longtime readers of the Adams comics knows who this is, if they recognize his face. Um, but again, for me, I was, I was totally, I don't know who this is. So I'm not going to say anything more at this point. But we'll get back to this guy later on. But we cut back to the battle where we get Strobe basically being beat by the Atom. And uh, <laughs> Strobe's firing at the Atom as Atom's shrinking down. And he's like, hold still, you. And Ray's like, a minute ago, I wasn't fast enough for you. What's the matter, Strobe? Don't like surprises? As again, he enlarges himself as he jumps up and just knocks Strobe out. And again, I do like here on page 17, again, there's one panel of the, uh, Adam shrinking down as Strobe fires above his head. And then the next panel shows Adam again growing. And again, we see the growing effect as he jumps up and he's leaping up and punching Strobe in the jaw. Because again, for all his armor and his mask, his jaw is still exposed. And uh, he raised like, as he knocks the guy down, he's like, you know, if I wore body armor, I don't think I'd leave my chin exposed like that. And so he t ties the guy's hands together so his blasters are facing one another. And he says, what's going on here? Because Cage is not quite sure just from the drawing. He's like, these gauntlet blasters are pretty impressive. But I'll bet you don't want to have them triggered while they're pointing at each other, do you? And so the cop says that they called in the paddy wagon to take him away. And Ray's like, hear that, Strobe? The nice officer with the gun pointing at your head is going to make sure your tail taken care of. Just as long as you don't try anything stupid. Stupid, huh? Is that what it is? you think I'm stupid? Well, matter of fact, I'm pretty bright, get it? And all of a sudden, a bright light shines. And we can't see Strobe anymore. And the admin is blind. He's like, what the heck? I do love this panel on here on page 18 where uh, Strobe's all lit up and Adam's lit from the light below him. And Strobe's like, that's why I call myself Strobe. Oh, no, not again. Now where'd he go? Because, again, he's shrunk down as he was being blinded. But he says that, you know, it was close. He clamped his eyes shut, but he's still seeing stars. And so he slipped into the guy's gauntlets. And he's running around inside. And I love here on page 19, there's a, panel, a couple panels here at the top and one at the bottom. Where we see Ray running inside the guy's armor. There's wires and tubes and stuff all over. And he grabs a handful of wires and starts pulling on them. As Strobe grabs the cops, he's like, you know what? I never like cops. And with the suit, I'm finally able to do something about it. Too bad for you suckers. And here at the bottom of page 19, we see the Adam pulling on a handful of wires. Here goes nothing. Because, again, Ray doesn't, Ray doesn't know what's going on outside. All he knows is that he, he's fighting Strobe. So as he pulls these wires, which he doesn't want to do what they do, uh, the 
jetpack or the, the not jetpack, but the uh, the power pack. It's his power pack, those red canisters on his back. They start exploding. He's like, power pack, help, I'm on fire. And Ray jumps off and, and pulls the, the power pack off and beats him with it. He's like, take easy, Strobe. It may feel pretty hot, but there's more, more smoke than fire. And so a cameraman or a reporter somebody uses some foam to pet him out. Please don't be burned up, please. So we find out that his his uh, weakness, I guess, is a fear of burning up. And the paramedics are taking him away. You know, I guess he has some superficial blistering. And one of the ambulance guys is like, not so tough without a fancy suit, is he? Who's not tough? I smashed an armored car single-handled. I took on the atom. I could have beat him. Yeah, yeah. And the cops are like, well, thank you. I'm glad you're back in town. We could have had him on our own. And Ray's like, well, thanks. But if it wasn't for me, he wouldn't have been here anyway. So is it a good thing or a bad thing that I'm back? He said, yeah, he came here to make a name for himself. The guy's like, you mean like Steve McQueen challenged Edward G. Robinson, the Cincinnati kid? Something like that. And again, like the, the reference to an older movie. Again, kids nowadays reading this might not even know any of those names. I don't know. But from an older generation, I like that. And he comments how, you know, Laments how he didn't have this problem. He had a secret identity. Uh, this is what I have to look forward to. You know, he's got to watch out being either being hounded by the media or people trying to make a name for themselves. So, again, I like the fact that Ray's actually thinking about that. Because usually a lot of people take the secret hero identity thing for granted. Or they don't... Again, I heard a lot of people mock like Superman's secret identity, which I'm not going to get into here. But I do like that Ray's actually... Was it a good thing or a bad thing? Because I'm going to be, you know, I got no privacy now. I got people always hounding me, either want to catch me on the news or, or put me on the news or beat me up just to make a name for themselves. And again, the secret identity thing is going to be going on for a little bit, him, him debating on how to handle it and what to do. And that's kind of what the CIA, that's why they reported, let the reporters know Ray was back to try and get Ray to want to give up a civilian life, I guess run to them for help. And uh, as he's talking, someone, I'm assuming it's Professor Hyde, it looks like he's bald, comes running out of the house and he's like, it's the CIA for you on the phone. And so, uh, one of the guys reporting the older guy from earlier, whose name is Agent Bailey, says here, okay, uh, he's like, got him, got him, sir, he's coming on the line as Ray actually comes on the line and jumps out of the phone. <laughs> now what the, Agent Bailey? Pardon my sudden entrance, sir, but your call provided me a super, an easy excuse to leave an unpleasant situation. And he lets him know that one of his field agents, uh, Don Bryce, found him in the woods, which was back in issue one. He'd been shot dead by the drug runners, but he was able to ray, warn Ray of the impending danger. And with his dying breath, he was a good man, Mr. Bailey. I owe him my life. He apologized for not contacting me as soon as he got back, but things have been a little busy for him. And as the story ends, uh, Bailey's offered him a full-time position at the CIA. He's like, well, we can help you get you out of your situation. Just come back and work for us. He's like, join the CIA full-time? I don't know. I had to think about it. Of course, take your time. I don't want to push you, but I hope, the good you, the good, I hope you consider the good you can do for your country. So again, the CIA is trying, as we've been talking about this issue, trying to get Ray back into their fold. And they're manipulating things. So Ray's going to want to come back. And I understand Ray, uh, yes, he's a superhero. He can do some good for the world, help work with the CIA. He can do some good stuff. But I, I don't like the way they're going about it. I mean, 
if they would have just approached him, but we'll find out more later. But if they just would have approached him, he might have joined up already or helped out at least. But they're looking to make him dependent on the CIA. And again, that's never good trying to, not necessarily blackmail, but trying to force a situation on Ray. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, next issue, it tells us that the issue, uh, things get crazier for the Atom. As he asks himself, what are you doing for the rest of your life? Guest starring Hawkman and Hawkwoman. Again, great issue. I love the art in here. I love the storytelling. I, I think that uh, Roger Stern does a fantastic job telling the story of the Atom. Uh, Dwayne Turner and Kez Wilson doing the, the pencils and the inks. I, I love the art in this book. Uh, this is a superhero book to me. It's the full four color. Uh, again, it's, it's what, 30 years later, 40 years later. Uh, the page is a little yellowed, but I mean, that's the paper at the time. Again, I just love the Adam, and this is part of why. It's just, he's a great character, and he's got awesome powers, in my opinion. So, uh, we're going to end this here with Power of the Atom 3. Next month, we'll be back with issue number 4. But, again, it's going to cut this episode kind of short. There was a couple of things I wanted to do, but just due to timing, I'm not getting that far this month. So, uh, last time, I do want to apologize for the delays. I'm back. Hopefully, I can stay back. Uh, check out my other shows on the network. Uh, G.I. Joe, Royal American Headcast, the Starman Adventure Hour. Uh, let me see what else I have. Task Force X. I have Bravo Team. And then the two shows of my wife. The Starbright Project, we talk about the Quantum Leap TV series. And Voyager Cast, we talk about the Voyager's TV show from 1982, another time travel show. So check those all out. They each have their own feed. Uh, look for them there or on the Headcast Network. Uh, go to headcastnetwork.com for all my shows. Check out the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash headcast. Uh, send us an email to headspeaks at headcastnetwork.com and I can read your emails on the air or your letters on the air. Uh, yeah, emails. Or you can also call and leave a message on the Headcast voicemail, which is area code 559-500-3182. Any calls made, I will read. I will play on the air. Again, that's for all my shows. It's the Headcast voicemail at area code 559 500 3182, call and leave a message. I love hearing from people. And if you like what I'm doing here, definitely check us out over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash headcast network. Uh, join us over there if you like what I'm doing. Throw a few bucks in the tin. And currently over there, in fact, I want to give special, extra special thanks to Mark Ross, a.k.a. Cluck Trent, uh, who is one of our Patreons. Uh, thank you very much, Mark, for joining us over there. And I hope you're enjoying the shows. And if you like the shows, be like Mark and join Patreon. Throw a few bucks in the tin, help us out here. But enough about that. Enough for this episode. I know it's kind of a short episode this time. Hopefully next month I can be more on the ball and, and get a little bit more done for you guys. So until next month, remember, Ed has spoken. Thank you for listening to another fantastic episode of Head Speaks. 
Hope you enjoyed it. If so, let me know. Drop me an email to head at headspeaks.com or visit our home at head.headspeaks.com. You can also visit and talk with me on Facebook and Google+, both under Head Speaks. You can also send an MP3 file with your thoughts, and I can play that on the air. And you can also get more of me on my other podcasts. Be sure to listen to Task Force X, where monthly I look at John Ostinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kuppenberg's Checkmate comics from the 80s and early 90s. Also, over on G.I. Joe, a Real American Headcast, my podcasting friends, Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning, along with myself, are looking at all of the G.I. Joe, a Real American Hero comics, and related titles from Marvel and IDW. All of my headcasts are available on iTunes and Stitcher, along with the respective blogs and my main page at headspeaks.com. All comments, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Headspeaks are owned wholly by the speaker of said comments, and do not express the opinions of Headspeaks, unless, of course, I'm the one making the comments. Headspeaks, Task Force X, and G.I. Joe, a Real American Headcast, are all part of the Headcast family. So, join us next month for another wonderful episode of Headspeaks. Until then, I'll see you in the funny pages. Good night. Good night.